Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's, or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily, but not exclusively, involving the NBA. And that is here. So apparently the Clippers went into Game 6 of the Western Conference Finals, believing Chris Paul could not beat them. And to paraphrase Michael Jordan, he apparently took that personally. On the first possession of the game, Paul George... We'll be talking more about him later. Stood five feet away from Chris and not even between Chris and the basket, giving him free reign to throw a backdoor lob for DeAndre Ayton to flush. Okay, you think. First possession, miscommunication in the zone. They'll clean that up. Four and a half, four and a half minutes later, on Chris Paul's first three, there wasn't a clipper within 10 feet of him and CP3 buried it. He was just getting started. Paul would finish with 41 points, including seven of eight threes after missing 14 of his first 16 in the series. Also had eight assists without a single turnover. When the Clippers mocked him for exaggerating an elbow swung by DeMarcus Cousins, and then Chris Paul missed the subsequent technical free throw awarded, he went on a personal 8-0 run to basically snuff out the last bit of life or hope the Clippers had of extending the series to a seventh game. Lesson to all of you and us. Scorn a proud man at your own peril. No matter how old he might be or how infirm he might have looked in previous meetings. And if you know he knows how to fool the referees, for God's sake, don't give him any material to work with. DeMarcus Cousins can sneer at the technical foul awarded Paul all he wants and applaud the fact that he missed it. 
but he has to know he, DeMarcus, has a reputation and that he, Chris Paul, was going to exploit it if he could. If I had to boil this game down, this would be left at the bottom of the scorched pot. Chris Paul played as if he had everything to prove, and Paul George played as if he had nothing to prove. Desperation can be a wonderful motivator. Maybe PG didn't feel the need to come out and give a repeat performance of Game 5. Or maybe he didn't know exactly how he produced that performance. Or maybe, as I noted in the breakdown of that game, his performance wasn't the masterpiece some made it out to be. Maybe, too, he had far too many media members making excuses for him, pointing out all the minutes he's played and the fact that the Clippers have been without Kawhi Leonard since Game 5 of the Utah Jazz Series. Paul George didn't need to find an alibi. They were being handed out. Chris Paul didn't have the benefit of any of that. I didn't hear anyone saying at 36 that we shouldn't expect better when he was struggling in this series after coming back from quarantining for violating COVID-19 protocol, however that may have occurred. Or that being quarantined for 10 days and then trying to restart your engines at age 36 is a tall order. Or that his numbers through these playoffs overall are almost identical to what he produced during the regular season. Or that at this stage of his career, he's only as good as the players around him. And other than his three-point shooting, the rest of his game was intact. And that Devin Booker, for one, deserved more scrutiny for not being all that effective at either end of the floor. But Paul wasn't getting much of that, so he had to shut everyone up himself. Meanwhile, Paul George had sideline reporter Rachel Nichols reminding everyone that Paul George had played more minutes than anyone in the playoffs and gave an anecdote about how George had told her that he learned how to play when he was exhausted in the Olympics. I'm not blaming Rachel because in a lot of cases, the sideline reporter doesn't get to choose what they report. By the way, it may have been George telling an anecdote about how, after getting injured in the Olympics, he had to learn to play in a way that... to play through exhaustion. I'm not sure exactly. I wasn't listening that closely because I'm not buying the whole thing. And I'm not blaming Rachel. Because in a lot of cases, the sideline reporter doesn't get to choose what they report the subject is handed to them. I'd like to think that she knew that George's problems weren't from fatigue, but simply poor decision-making. It's the way Paul George often plays in the playoffs. But maybe not. She did defend him on social media the other day, which probably paved the way for him to give her the story about learning to play exhausted. You scratch my back, you know how it goes. I will say... I was happily stunned when Jeff Van Gundy said sarcastically during a lengthy review of the DeMarcus Cousins play that at least it allowed Paul George to get some rest. And if you don't think he was being sarcastic, you don't know Jeff Van Gundy. He also noted after Rachel's report that the burden of playing a lot of minutes comes with being a max player. In other words, PG is getting paid handsomely to play and play a lot. Let's stop the sympathy party for someone simply doing their job and making good on their contract. In the last podcast, I gave you a play that symbolized 
all that Chris Middleton wasn't doing for the Bucks in their Game 4 loss to the Trey Youngless Atlanta Hawks. I also told you in that podcast that Paul George is at his best when he defends, rebounds, and is decisive on offense. This was not one of his better games in those three departments. One of the few times he was decisive offensively came in the third quarter when Patrick Beverly dumped it to him on the right mid post and he pivoted, dribbled into the paint, and hit a short pull-up jumper over Torrey Craig. That reduced the Suns' lead from 11 to 9, but PG made sure Phoenix got the margin back to 11. On the Suns' subsequent possession, Chris Paul dumped the ball into DeAndre Ayton in the middle of the paint, and he put up a jump hook over Terrence Mann. George, the lower left baseline defender in the Clippers' 2-1-2 zone, stood and watched the shot, allowing Torrey Craig to sweep down the baseline unencumbered and snare the offensive rebound. The Suns then swung the ball until it got back to Chris Paul, now on the left wing, and PG stepped out to guard him, but set up at the wrong angle, and CP3 dribbled right past him. Now, George didn't even try to recover. He made a full stop as if he was handing CP3 off to someone else, except there was no one there. CP3 cruised into the middle of the paint, rose up unguarded from the same spot Aiton did, and scored. Suns up by 11 again. The number of times overall that Paul George stopped short as he closed out to defend someone was mind-boggling. If Mark Jackson had utilized his hand-down, man-down tagline, he would have said it a half-dozen times. The Suns wound up shooting 56% overall, and if anyone set the lackluster defensive tone for the Clippers, it was Paul George. He played a big role in the Clippers pulling away in the third quarter of Game 5, and he played an equally big role in the Suns pulling away in the third quarter of Game 6. He played all 12 minutes, scored a team-leading 10 points, but still wound up with a minus 5 and plus-minus. That's because he also had zero assists, two turnovers, and only two rebounds. After giving Torrey Craig six feet of room to knock down a three on another play, he drove the right side off a pick-and-roll that gave him a chance to attack Aiton, but he didn't even think about doing that. Instead, tried whipping a one-handed pass intended for Marcus Morris in the far corner, but the ball wound up going directly to Craig, leading to a Suns fast break that ballooned the lead to 17. There's no need to go into all that Paul George didn't do, because let's face it, being lackadaisical and ineffective in an elimination game is something we've seen from him a few times before. Let's give the roll call one last time for now. Remember Game 7 versus the Nuggets last year? 4 for 16 field goals, 2 for 11 on threes, 0 for 1 on free throws. Game 6 versus the Jazz when he was the Oklahoma City Thunder, 2018. He goes 2 for 16, 0 for 6 on threes, 1 of 2 on free throws. Game 4 versus the Cavs the year before when he was with the Pacers before he asked for a trade. 5 for 21, 3 for 9 from threes, 2 of 3 free throws. 
and Game 7 all the way back in 2013 against the Heat, where the, I won't say playoff P began, but the evidence that he shouldn't have given him that, himself that nickname in Oklahoma City began. Uh, 2013 against the Heat, he went 2 for 9, one for, 1 for 4 on threes, and 2 for 4 on free throws. Now, those numbers, look, guys have had terrible shooting performances in closeout games. And there's a part of me that would say, I would rather have that guy going to the wall and taking 30, 35 shots, trying to find it, trying to get it done, doing whatever he can, get to the free throw line, whatever than to do what Paul George has done in these. Because let's face it, 2 for 9, 2 for 16, 4 for 16, that's not a ton of shots. Not for someone who has the ball as often as Paul George has and the green light that he has. But all that said, I do like it when he doesn't try to take over the game per se. I love it when he's decisive. He wasn't that in any of these games, and certainly not against the Suns in Game 6. So we have to add this game to the list. 6 for 15 overall, 1 for 6 from 3-point range, and twice as many turnovers as assists. Now, he did make 8 of 9 free throws, all of them in the third quarter, which is genuinely weird. No free throws whatsoever in the first, second, or fourth quarters. In any case, it was hardly the kind of performance where you thought, well, he did everything he could. He just didn't have enough around him. Instead, it was one where you thought, here we go again. Could someone please let PG know how important this game is? No one had to tell Chris Paul, who now has done what Steve Nash nor Derrick Rose ever did, which is go to an NBA Finals. He now joins Rajan Rondo, Russell Westbrook, and the Detroit Pistons' Isaiah Thomas as average-sized star point guards to lead their teams to a finals appearance. There, no doubt, there have been others, but those are the ones that immediately come to mind, and they're the ones that, outside of the Pistons' Isaiah Thomas, Rondo, Westbrook, Nash... Rose, all great players in their own way. But as point guards, it's difficult to really isolate what they accomplished. Derrick Rose led a Chicago Bulls team all by himself to the Western Conference Finals. He could have easily been the most successful of all of these point guards. Youngest ever to win a league MVP. But the injuries took him under. Steve Nash, some misfortune in the postseason with the Robbie, Robert Ory getting chucked into the scorer's table and subsequent suspensions of a couple of sons who came off the bench, but never got to a finals and was still multiple league MVP. Rajan and Rondo won a ring. But how much credit, two rings actually, how much credit do we give him? Wasn't the leading character on those teams. Russell Westbrook gets to the finals, but he gets there with two other future Hall of Famers 
and Kevin Durant and James Harden. So I'm not going to get into comparing and contrasting how these guys got there, what they did once they were there for those who did, at least not yet. Uh, when it comes to the Suns, DeAndre Ayton was terrific in Game 6. Devin Booker had his moments, but overall still was nowhere near his best. Jay Crowder, called soft by Marcus Morris after Game 5, also appeared to take that slight personally, scoring 19 points in Game 6, the most he's had in any playoff game this season. He had been shooting threes almost as bad as CP3 this series, making only 7 of his first 26, which is 27%. The Clippers left him open as well, proving perhaps that any NBA player left wide open from three can knock them down. And Crowder did, 5 of 9 to be exact. I'm sad to see this weird Clippers team that repeatedly dug a hole for itself and then climbed out of it have their run end. It was entertaining. But the Suns are full of good stories and players that it's easy to want to see succeed. And Chris Paul, in spite of all the theatrics, in my book, is one of them. That does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You've heard me make this request, this plea, in every podcast. Some of you are still reluctant to do it, but I know one day, one day, I'm going to get you to do that. All right, so we move on. Great news when it comes to Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm shocked, quite honestly, but no structural damage. Still listed as doubtful for Game 5. And I would not expect Trey Young with the bone bruise in his foot or ankle to be playing in Game 5 either. So it will be a battle of the best of the rest. And we will discuss what that battle produces in the next podcast. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.